What's up, guys? Before we get into the podcast, I want to fucking see you. I want to see you October 19th and 20th at the Self-Made Summit if, if, and only if, you are currently in the process or thinking of rebranding or repositioning, changing the thing you have to make it bigger and better, but you're not quite sure how. You have these abstract ideas in your brain, but you don't know how to make them come to life. You want to do something different with your class. You want to stand apart in this very loud, crowded market that we are in, and you're just not sure how to bring all of that together. I want to see you at the Self-Made Summit, October 19th and 20th, in Charlotte, North Carolina that I'm hosting at my gym, Urban Movement. I have brought in the guys in the business who have done this the absolute fucking best. Mike Jones, one of the founders of Alchemy 365, Brandon Cullen and Kirk, the founders of Metabolic, Steve Pinkerton, the founder of Vitality Fitness and his amazing brand of EvoFit that he has created, Joe Tabaldi, the founder of Flex, and a marketing and branding guru. And then you've got me, Fucking me, you know me, you know what I do. I, I've got put everybody together and we're doing a two-day business summit. It's gonna be awesome. There's gonna be small group intensives. You'll be able to pick any one of these guys and sit down and spend 90 minutes with them to talk about your brand, ask your questions, figure out how to turn your thing into a fucking thing. Figure out how did they turn their thing into a thing. What were the steps like? What would they do if they had to do it all over again? What suggestions they have for you guys get the idea. Self-Made Summit, October 19th and 20th. Tickets available in the link in my Instagram bio, all right? Guys, hope to see you there. Now on with the podcast. Alrighty, guys, it is Stu. It is What the Fuck Gym Talk, and I have Kevin Beeman, a fellow uh, daywalker ginger, and um, he, he's an East Coast guy. He's a, he's a, you're a Steelers fan, I'm assuming, correct? Absolutely, right? absolutely. The vision that we fucking hate each other when we play each other, uh, you know, come football time. But I've got Kev on. I, uh, I was I had Jim Crowell, CEO of OPEX, down in my location. We were just shooting the shit, and, and Kev's name came up, and Jim knows exactly the kind of micro gym owners I love to fuck with and talk with and, and Kevin kind of checked all those boxes. So I did some digging on him and we, we started a little uh, email communication and I, I just love the model of what I saw he's created with his business, Mecca Fitness in, uh, the, in the Pennsylvania, Mount Lebanon type area. Would that be close? Pittsburgh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh, yeah. Okay. So, uh, cool. So Kev, do me a favor, man, for everyone listening who might not be familiar with you, you know, real quickly, give them your rundown, your story, who you are, why it's important. Sure. Um, so we started out about six years ago as a CrossFit gym, CrossFit Mount Lebanon. I was living in Miami. Uh, we moved down there for my wife's job. And I am or was or maybe currently is or trying to retire from being a real estate developer. So okay. we moved down there for two years, had two small children. And uh, I went to you doing commercial. Was it a commercial? How long were you doing commercial? No, for? I did residential. Yeah, God. I did residential. Okay. So I would buy uh, up houses in particular neighborhoods. Uh, yep. I'd buy the shittiest house and then turn it into a high end rental and hold them. Yep, yep. So, um, at the time, my wife had an opportunity to move to Miami, become a general counsel for Latin America. And uh, I kind of just flew home once a month they kind of pointed my fingers made sure things were moving but ultimately i was just kind of taking the kids to school going to starbucks for an hour answering emails and i found a crossfit gym uh off the street and very quickly lost 30 pounds and made some friends in a city that probably isn't that um easy to make friends with if you're a ginger (laughs) and you don't really like going out in the sun um 
but we were moving back to Mount Lebanon in two years. And as a quickly addicted to uh, CrossFit as I got, um, I also had some terror that there wasn't going to be that when I got back to, to Mount Lebanon. So I was kind of hoping someone would open one up and that wasn't happening. So I went and- What year was this when you moved back? Uh, this was uh, 13. Okay. And then no one had really opened up shop yet? Yeah. No, not, not in our town. Now there were, you know, I originally went to Jim Kroll's, um, he yeah. had a gym called integrated fitness and I was there yep. for a month and that's when we moved. So, uh, I was there long enough to almost get, uh, you know, rhabdo uh, a couple times, <laughs> all good. I didn't really have it, but, uh, that, that feeling of, Oh my God, what did I do? Um, so when I, when I did get to Miami, I joined the CrossFit gym. And like I said, I was hoping someone would open one when I got here. It didn't happen. So I went and got certified. I had a business background. So uh, I really just opened it to have uh, a place to go and, and build that same type of friendship that I did in Miami here in Pittsburgh. And uh, we did a pre-sale uh, before I even had a lease signed. And I think we had 60 to 70 people sign up. Awesome. So it, was just on, it was just on that cusp of really blowing up. I mean, it was before the the games were even. Sure. Yeah, yeah. You, you got in. You got in at a good time. Now, I love that, though. Would you say that, like, again, because I'll talk to a gym owner and they want to open a new location. Like, I want to do a pre-sale. I'm like, cool. Yeah. You know what that means. And like, no, I just hear this. What I've heard people do it, and it sounds really cool to open up my doors and have some members. I'm like, yes, okay, cool, let's continue. But for you, do you think it helped you? Because you didn't come from a technician, coach. I have a passion for changing people's lives. You came from yeah. a customer. I love this. I selfishly want it when I go back home, mm -hmm. and I have some business acumen. Do you think yeah. that allowed you to kind of? I don't know. I don't know the rest of your market, but as you look around sure. the rest of the market, do you think that's allowed you to kind of stand apart from the rest of the guys having the more of a business background versus passionate trainer background? Yeah, I mean, so in the beginning, we had coaches that had um, more experience than I did at the time coaching. Um, sure. At the time, that was seven years ago or six years yeah. ago. Um, but I definitely, I mean, I definitely feel like uh, knowing. Uh, a balance sheet. I went to business school. I mean, th those, those type of things really, I don't want to say are essential, but depending on what you want out of your business, you have to look at it as a business and not a hobby. Sure. That makes sense. Yes. Yeah. And it's, you know, when you think a lot of gym owners, cause they come in, cause they come in as the technician, that's the one thing they have the hardest thing ever letting go of. They really do letting go of the programming, yeah. the coaching. Cause Whereas I always generally try, I love it the other way. I would much rather a business guy come in and realize, dude, I fucking, I feel kind of like an asshole. I don't know the four rotator cuff muscles. I don't know a fucking yeah. abduction versus adduction. Like mm -hmm. I would rather hire out for that. Cause you know, and we, we did have a head coach. We did have a head coach, uh, and, uh, who was actually my business partner at the time. Yeah. We have since separated and gone way sure. our own way. But, um, uh, and there were other coaches that uh, I knew from the local area that uh, kind of came in and filled those roles that were obviously very important. You want to have um, the best staff and, you know, you want to have the knowledge, all those things. Yeah. Um, and that, that can, that alone can get you to point A, but if you want to grow and you want to uh, offer a real uh, business and community to people, you have to back it up with knowing what to yeah. do, you know, those I, 
I'd even argue, I thought like that, like, honestly, the level of the technician is easily replaced. Unfortunately, I had a lot of people listening to this who have their, that's a coach. They won't like it, but you as a technician, and a coach who are easily replaced, there is someone younger, better looking than you who doesn't have any kids, isn't married, has no ties or anything like that. Doesn't have a mortgage and it might be a better suit, but someone who can grow a business is a rare find. And especially someone who wants to grow a brick and mortar fitness subscription business, which is a, which is a whole unique monster in and of itself. Um, Okay, so you open up Mecca and now, or well, cross from Mount Lebanon. Now, yeah. for the, again, I'm, a, I'm, I'm assuming across from Mount Lebanon versus what we see today. And if any of you guys who are listening, you got to go check out, just go to MeccaFitness.com. That's M-E-C-K-A Fitness.com. And you look at what we've created here and what I'm staring at when I, when I do my digital snooping on this business, this is a modern day mom and pop Globo Gym-esque type feel like a, like just, it's if, like, Talk to me. How do you describe Mecca yeah. Fitness to people? So, um, so we had CrossFit for about three years, and and really, I feel um, obviously all these things uh, fell together. Um, I don't know by luck or by chance, but the building that we were in, uh, it was uh, we had ten thousand square feet it, it, it divided by two rooms, and then we had the opportunity to take the other side of the building, which was another ten thousand square feet. And I didn't want to open 10,000 more square feet of CrossFit. Sure. I wasn't, I wasn't going to double my membership, but I, but I was going to double my rent. So I needed to find something that was a lower barrier to entry. Um, you know, we would get people in and, you know, two months later they would quit. They'd find it, you know, they didn't like the coach or they felt like it was too hard or too intimidating. So my wife and I started going up to New York and really checking out what was going on up there, trying out the cool classes, um, re in my head, reimagining these classes of what I liked about it and what I didn't like about it. Um, so, so what, what studios did you go to? What did you see up in New York? Cause I, I I'm the biggest fan. New York city is my favorite fucking playground yeah. for micro. It's like a, it's like a, it's, a, it's a, like a museum of creativity. Yeah, it's like, a, I love just going up there and every day taking two or three classes. Yes. When we first went up, um, you know, we had this uh, idea that we were going to start with a, a spinning studio. So I, I didn't really love SoulCycle. It had, it had that same, you know, that great feeling and, and all the branding is so on, on key, but I'm a CrossFitter and I like to have a goal and I like to see numbers and did I get better? Did I get worse? Did this person sure. beat me? So I, I uh, visited this place called Swerve. We've okay. heard of Swerve. No. Uh, and it's, uh, they break the class up into teams. Uh, and it's the red team versus the blue team. And you get your stats. Uh, you always know where you are. And I like that concept. Uh, but then I found some software that made it even a little bit more interesting. Is that uh, it provided a virtual reality ride. So, Got it. So you have a big yeah. screen. Yeah. Big screen. Yeah. And you can see that on our website. Um, so you're able to actually uh, track your progress, just like your WOD score, you would get your watts or your um, uh, calories burned, things like that. So we wanted to keep it that. It feel more like a road cycling than like yes, soul absolutely. cycle, which is more, um, you know, Zen mantra type scenario. Yeah. And, and you can, and no offense to that place, but you can go to any of those type of places, either at LA Fitness or the Y sure. or even like a cycle 
bar bar i think it's called yeah, um, yeah cycle so, bar I, yeah so we kind of created our own concept there based on the and we also went to flywheel and i like the, the the difference of that compared to swerve so really trying to pull out the elements that both my wife and myself liked and then kind of pushing away the things that we didn't like not to say that that's our ways the best way to do it it's just how you know we want to create something that we liked as well 100%. Um, yeah i love berries uh the branding there is amazing the treadmills are amazing um so we have a version of berries um it's uh we call it body lab and it's every day is a different um body part with some some days full body but uh the thing that makes our class a little bit different uh obviously our instructors are different but the floor portion of of the class is when you're off the treadmill we, we treat it like a CrossFit workout. So you get a goal, you have either AMRAP or um, for time, or um, you're gonna do six of these, six of these, repeat this, and when you get this done, you're gonna move on to core. Uh, and that's what I really liked uh, when I think about berries. I, I, I always got confused of who they were talking to. So we, sure. demoed all, we demo all the movements, we make sure that um, everyone is doing it safely. And then those instructors are able to spend a little more time on really intense treadmill workouts. So they're able to look and make sure the floor is, is being safe, but then also uh, really reading a script per se of making sure that, that the, the treadmill is everyone's doing, doing what, what they should be doing. Cause that's really why they're there, that intensity on the treadmill. Yeah, a lot of, you know, again, when CrossFit, we get into every day is pretty much a full body training day, right? And we obviously yeah. all know the physiological benefits there. But there is a phenomenon when someone really gets into berries and that, that mantra of they're going to do a body part. Do you know what happens to someone who comes on Monday and it's upper body day and treadmill? They wanted to go on Tuesday because they know it's lower yeah. body day and treadmill. Yeah. You get higher attendance when you do body part splits like that versus every day is, is full body. Yeah, there's a there's yep. usually ten, 10 people on the wait list uh, for our uh, early morning 520 class on Thursdays every single week because it's core day. People love yeah. that. And the operational flow of it as well. You know, the nice thing about you go to a berries if you're sitting there, you're looking at a berries has 15 to 18 treads. Uh, yeah. and, and not just any treads, anyone listening, these are Woodway treadmills. Yeah, I mean, they're Cadillacs. The yeah. runners that are non-motorized, these are the motorized Woodways. Yeah. They're probably eight, nine grand a fucking pop. No, um, they're not. They're like no. 12. Only <laughs> 12. Noted. Yeah, yeah. Noted. Yeah. What are you guys running with there? Uh, we have Woodways, yeah. We have Woodways, okay. Yeah. It's yeah. uh that, that is so impressive. Um, but yeah, I mean, the operational flow is, you know, same thing. I've, you know, a, an instructor can monitor the people on the floor doing their bicep curl to press mm -hmm. and air squats. And, you know, you know that half the gym, you want to stay on them. But when they're on the treadmill, they're relatively safe. Yeah, absolutely. Your attention as a coach can be triaged so much easier when not all 30 people are doing something different. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we never tell when people are on the tread we are very welcoming to a new person. So we're never saying we want you at a seven, eight or nine. I hear that a lot at Barry's. We just say jog, run, sprint. And those numbers sure. are your yeah. numbers. You, yep. uh, you change them when you want to, unless yeah, the instructor knows you, like sometimes I'll come up behind someone and say, I want a whole point more. And they, you know, I get the stink eye, but um, I know that athlete. So that's so important. I want to touch on that for a second, that vernacular and lexicon you just used. So if I, if I take a class at Mecca and you taught, what were those three levels again? Uh, jog, run, sprint. 
jog, run, sprint. Universal, mm-hmm. everyone knows what it is. And it is a lexicon you've probably embodied very much like Orange Theory. Orange Theory yeah. has, you know, race, uh, base pace, race pace, and all out. And those are the three, you know, for urban movement, we have build, sprint, and grind. And those are our three speeds. And like it's, you know, people know when to shift and what that dose means. And yeah. that is so fucking important. And that's personal. Like uh, yes, someone who's absolutely. running, you know, we explain what a run should feel like. Yes. Um, you shouldn't be able to talk to someone next to you. But that's going to be a different number on almost every single treadmill. A hundred percent. And it's so interesting because – in CrossFit, every workout would sometimes be looked at as all out. Mm-hmm. All out. And, but when you get into these other, you see some of these other models, you, it's generally three because three is just a psychologically satisfying number to give someone three speeds to move at and allow them to move how they feel on that particular day. Yeah. Right? And I just think it's really fucking cool. I love to hear that you guys do that. Yeah. Um, and there's just a million different, um, uh, recipes you can make on a treadmill that oh, sure. really gets that, uh, you know, bite or blast training that you need to burn yep. fat, uh, going from sprints to hills, to walking, to side shuffles, uh, yep. and then getting off that with time domains. Like sometimes you're on that treadmill for 20 minutes and it's only two sections you're on and off. Sometimes it's four sections of the treadmill. Sometimes you're doing partner work, which you don't really get at varies or, or uh, orange theory. I don't think is that sometimes you're working, you know, I'm running 400 when I off, I tag you off. I do what you're doing on the floor and we do that as an AMRAP, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting. I'm going to ask you this question. So I get asked this a lot. We, we're going to go into five modalities. So right now we ski, uh, bike, um, row, we're going to go adding run in and then we'll add climb. Right. So what first all these are just urns oh, right. for you. Did you ever have coming from as a CrossFit gym? Did you ever think, well, fuck running outside, which is what all CrossFit gyms is one of my best forms of guerrilla marketing. And I'm now neutralizing that by bringing these really high end treads inside to that. How did you just, cause I get that question asked a lot. Yeah. Like, Stu, why are you bringing in all this stuff? Are you going to run outside? I'm like, we probably won't at that point. Yeah. Like, well, what about the outreach and the grill? And cause I've seen the benefits of people running outside. Like we have many people back in the day would come in. How did you, you know, play with that in your head? Sure. Well, I mean, we, we kind of have two different businesses in the same building. We have the CrossFit business and Mecca business and we disguise them as two. I mean, people, a lot of people think that it's two different companies. Sure. Um, um, so we're not taking away anything from the CrossFit gym and the running outside and the, you know, what are these crazy people doing as I drive by the, the yeah. gym? Um, but what's happening is that there are some people that are at CrossFit, they get either get burned out, uh, or an injury, or they just don't sure. like it anymore. They don't leave. We get them to stay at Mecca and vice versa. We have a ton of people that start at Mecca which is a very low entry, a barrier to entry. We do, we can do a ton of promotions through Mecca because we, they don't have to do a one-on-one. We get them in the building. They see what's going on at the gym or they see someone that they feel is less fit than them doing CrossFit. And all of a sudden they're like, how do I get the package where I can do all of this? Yep. Um, so there's a lot of, um, uh, we, we're not churning as much as we used to as far as losing people uh, from the building. So would you say is the top of the funnel for you separate or is the top of the funnel for everyone Mecca and then based on what they want, they go CrossFit or one of our other four or five different classes at Mecca? Sure. So um, like I said, there's a lot more opportunity to promote and market uh, a business like Mecca because the CrossFit, um, you really have to 
find someone that wants to CrossFit. There, you know, people know what it is. People are either scared of it or they're ready to go. So we get tons of people that come in and say, I want to CrossFit. I looked you up on Google or, uh, you know, my friend, my friend said when I moved to Pittsburgh, I should join CrossFit Mount Lebanon. And that's like effortless for us. That's part of my $3,000 that I pay. Here. I push all of my marketing money to Mecca because that's my brand. Yeah. I'm promoting my brand. Um, and then from there, you know, we have, we have a couple different things. We have, you know, the, the simple no sweat, uh, intros where we give them the tour. We have a hundred day journey type of thing where they're getting nutrition coaching, physical therapy, uh, appointment. They're getting uh, four PT sessions. They're getting a fitness concierge. And sometimes when they come in through Mecca, they're like, um, no, I think I'd rather do CrossFit. Perfect. Yeah. You know, but it's not until they get in there and they talk to a coach, um, that we can help guide them. And that's kind of um, a big shift. What we made a few years ago is listening and not assuming someone wants to do something or needs to do something because they said they did. You know, yeah. uh, what we offer, you know, we might say, say to someone, you know, you don't need to do any of this. What you need to do is clean up your diet. So yeah. we're going to have you talk to a nutrition coach before we get you into any kind of, you know, physical activity because they may get into a class and it overwhelms them. Sure. So we want to, we want to gain some trust first. And so for everyone, just to give the magnitude of this. So obviously CrossFit Mount Lebanon is still a part of, is, is an entity in this building, but just for everyone to keep up, we have cycling, body lab, row fit, camp, yoga, boxing, and, uh, your M flex, which I'm assuming is an alchemy inspired type product. Um, hundred percent. You gotta, you gotta visit Minneapolis. Yeah. You, you gotta visit Minneapolis. I'm upset. I mean, we fuck, we called our class flex. Um, that's a good fucking name for it. Um, that's six, what one, two, three. Well, I think you forgot one. We have another one called M strong. M strong. There we go. So start fuck. So we're talking eight, eight of these. Yeah. Uh, plus we have uh, a CrossFit, we have fit 55. Um, which is, you know, an older adult class. Yeah. Uh, and then we run CrossFit teens, CrossFit kids. Uh, and then through our cross, through our CrossFit membership, uh, our head coach has also created, um, a comp team, which mm-hmm. is a separate membership. And then also uh, something we call tracks, which is like a gymnastics track. Uh, Got strength. it. Yep. Uh, and then we have a five, <laughs> five person team of nutrition coaches. Got it. So let me, so here is, and everyone listening to this, I, my, my biggest fear, and I was, uh, I was thinking of this before the, the interview, everyone comes to me before they dialed in their pocket knife really well, they want to become a Swiss army knife, right? They're like, their pocket knife isn't sharp enough. Like it's not, it's not doing what they want to do. They're not making enough money as their CrossFit. So they go to boot camp and I need yoga and this, and next thing you know, they've got these four features. None of them are performing optimally and the wheels start to fall off. At what point did you just drop? I mean, did, when you decided to make this changeover, was it, okay, we're going to add all these classes at once. What came first? It sounded like cycling was the first inspiration. Yeah, actually boot camp was our first, uh, okay. Uh, you know, we started, I think the way a lot of people started was we offered a six week boot camp, and it was really only one, uh, you know, it wasn't something that we had thought this was going to be a long term thing. We tried it for six weeks. Uh, all we, I think we got 30 people. Um, and, you know, almost immediately when we said it's over, they're like, well, what do you mean it's over? 
So, okay, we took a week off and we did another six weeks. And then we took a week off and did another six weeks. And they're like, we don't want the week off. So we started that as a boot camp at CrossFit Mount Lebanon. Yeah. Uh, and at the same time, that space came open. So we already had one class already started as Mecca before we even came up with Mecca. So it was a separate membership from CrossFit. And those people had no intentions on CrossFitting at all. Now, was it a feeder to CrossFit? Absolutely. We would lose one or two people a cycle and they'd come over to CrossFit. Bang, great. Or we'd lose one or two people and they just wouldn't continue. But sure. what it did for me was it really proved that we could go after a whole nother group of people that didn't, uh, that, like I said, that barrier was much lower to enter, bring people in and have them try it. Uh, sure. Whereas, you know, when you're marketing CrossFit, it's like, come, come, come in and pay us an extra hundred dollars so we can teach you how to deadlift properly. And then, yeah. then you can join us. Uh, and we yeah. still do that. You know, it, it's very important to uh, pre-qualify kind of like a CrossFit um, sure. athlete. Uh, but with Mecca, you know, old, young, out of shape, in shape, we welcome everyone. And I'm not saying CrossFit doesn't welcome everyone. No, but it, it, it obviously has a, it has, it, there, there's a niche, there's, there's a niche for um, the demographic for CrossFit. Now, so as you're adding these classes and the, you get these ideas, you're going to New York, you're seeing these other models and you're giving things a try. Um, did you R and D things prior to slapping them on the schedule? And when you did get them on the schedule, how did you find the instructors for them? Because something like a flex, right? It, you know, your own flex, like for me, that was unique. I had to find two instructors at Core Power Yoga who yep. understood what it is, who were coming into us to take our classes as normal, but they were also core. And I had to find that really good mix because yep. a lot of yogis are purist yogis. They're not, you know, you tell them you want them to be doing this in between yoga. They're like, uh-uh. Um, so talk to me about that a little bit about, you know, trying out those classes. Did you R and DM? And then once you decided, okay, this is good. How did you find the staff for it? Sure. So cycle, we, uh, you know, we didn't hire anyone from within on cycle because that's such its own animal. Like that's the one class that I can't just get in there and coach. I can coach almost everything else in that whole building. If like the 10 people that fall in line before me as the backup can't do it, I'll do it. You know? Um, so we hired a uh, professional staff of cyclists, and then we also hired someone who was in charge of the cyclists. So that's kind of the, the main point I want to make in this, in this section is that um, really dividing and conquering, having management layers. Like we have someone who's in charge of the boot camp program. We have someone in charge of cycle. We have someone in charge of our boxing, our rowing. And they, that's their own department. They manage those coaches. Um, luckily for me on the MFlex uh, part, we all, we already had some yoga here and there, like a lot of CrossFit gyms do. Um, but, uh, a gentleman that who's now our assistant head coach and on our management team is an incredibly, uh, talented yogi on the side. Um, so having a diverse, uh, staff to begin with is really going sure. to be, uh, a key if that's what you want to do. If this is the model that you want to take, uh, obviously, your old fashioned, I don't know call it old fashioned, but your classic CrossFit box of, you know, PRs and the board with the, all the uh, records on it. If you have, yeah. a, you know, a fleet of guys that are all the same, it's going to be very hard for you to grow a, a, a diverse business if you don't have a diverse workforce. Yeah. So we were able to pull people not only from our coaching staff, but some of those really, um, 
dedicated community members that were great athletes that had some sort of athletic background to say, hey, we have this new concept called Body Lab. It's not important that you know how to teach someone how to do a barbell clean because guess what? There's no barbells in this class. But can you entertain? Can you know that when someone does a deadlift, you have to tell them that, you know, you know, the scary cat is not what I'm looking for. We're looking for that angry gorilla um, and teaching it like a kid's class. Now, all these people got certified, but in the beginning to pull them out and say, like, can you handle the flow of a cat class? Can you coach 12 people here and 12 people on a treadmill? Pick good music. Know how to turn the lights when you need to. So we train from within. So I think ultimately the, the answer to your question is, is, is um, coming up with a clear structure uh, of people in charge of different departments and hiring a diverse workforce that also sees your vision. And uh, one of the big things for us to get us there was EOS. Yeah. Nice. So everyone who's not, not familiar with EOS, he's referring to Traction by Gino Wickman. And uh, EOS is an entrepreneur. It's the entrepreneurial operating system, which is, um, I cannot say enough good things about it. It's, I, I only require two books for any gym that works with me. It's required no hands wet. Traction is one of them and Primal Brandy by Patrick Hamlin is the other one. And I cannot recommend uh, Traction enough for anybody listening to this. Um, it's a roadmap to, to building oh, your business. Yeah, A thousand percent. Now, you know what I'll tell you too? It made me fall back in love with the business, especially as I was going through the rebranding and I was taking a couple on the chin here and there and I was like, fuck, but traction really makes you fall back in love with the business, especially when you are taking on something new. Right. Yeah, uh, you know, at, that, at that time, it's such a great time to kind of rebuild. Um, so I'm picturing this, you've got your 10,000 square foot spot, you've got CrossFit in it, you guys go up to New York, you see this, you decide we're going to do this thing. We're going to call it Mecca. We're going to now take the option to take over the rest of the 10,000 square feet. Yeah. How, how did that all happen at once? Because people are listening to this and they're like, all right, let me get this straight. He was across the gym and then overnight he has this additional 10,000 square feet. He's got $12,000 fucking run, you know, treadmills. He's got all these classes and an entire staff. I can barely get one fucker to cover my class. Talk to me about that. Was, did, what, did you have private, did you have your own, did you finance it yourself? Did you take out a loan? Did you get private equity? Yeah. So by that point we were about three, almost three years into the business um, and I had saved up some money that I thought was going to be enough to, you know, uh, clean up this. Never space. enough, never <laughs> enough. Put some drywall up, right? And yeah, I just have to get some light switches and, you know, then you get a bill for $80,000 because you need to get a security system and a fire alarm and all those things that you didn't think about. And um, It is, you know, ignorance is bliss, let me just yes. tell you. Um, when you don't know what you don't know, sometimes that's the best way to forge ahead. If I had to do it again, I would probably maybe not even done it. I don't know. But, um, uh, you know, I just got some credit cards and um, just made it happen because I started to make it happen and I couldn't stop. Yeah. You know? Um, oh my God. That's such a thing. And, uh, you know, we're doing the self-made summit. I've got Steve Pinkerton coming up. Steve had a, a gym very I know Steve, yeah. You, okay. And so yeah. Steve then goes and is like, I'm going to build this building, clear some trees, like $3 million plus dollars later, two years of his life later, he is just, I mean, the dude, I fit, you know, and same thing here. Like I, I did up fit budget of $175,000. 375 is what we came in on. Yeah. Not even fucking close. And yeah. it, it's, it, it's moments like that where you have got to make magic happen. 
Yeah. You, so yeah. again, it, I think it's, uh, we have a, a, an amazing community of people here and people uh, really support me and the business and they love their CrossFit gym and their, their people in it. So I got a tremendous amount of help from uh, the people that work out there every day. Uh, whether that be electricians or people that are wood, woodsmen, uh, you know, making front desks, you know, it just, it just all seemed to happen. And again, uh, I don't know how it happened, but it did. It's, it's amazing. Those stories. Like I think about my GC who really pushed it and got my building open, you know, in as quick of time as he could. He's, he was a personal training client of yeah. mine for five years. I mean, I saw him five days a week. He did PT. Like, yeah. And you, I, there's not a CrossFit or micro gym story of struggle in opening that generally doesn't involve help from the customer. Yeah, totally. Which is I mean, there was theory. a lot of stress, a lot of lot of hours, a lot of um, money. Um, so it, it definitely was something that it, it was a roll of the dice, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there was a, you know a lot of bumps in the road. Uh, you know, some people agreed with what I was doing. Some people disagree. Um, I hear that you go through that uh, with your transition. Um, And, but you have to like, just stick to your vision in your head and and what you know is going to work and and kind of push out all the, um, uh, all the people with the pitched forks and the, you know, and the, and the bad vibes and just focus on the people that believe in you because you're going to feed on that. You know, a hundred percent believe in you because you believe in them type of yeah. thing. Fear always breeds negativity. Those who like, when you like, I got this idea and I, in my head, it fucking is crystal clear. No one else yeah. seems to get it. Mm-hmm. Anyone who's fearful of it is going to spew some negativity on it. And, and anyone who's made any drastic changes, especially in a business that seemingly or in actuality was successful, like things are good here. Why fuck them yeah. up, man? Yeah. There was no reason to change what I was no. doing. I mean, no. you know, even, you know, um, even the community was like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this to this place? Yeah. Uh, and I wanted to say, well, it's not your place. You know, sure. it's, it's okay, yeah. my place. And, and um, some people won't like that when I hear, they hear me say that, but I put the money in, I put the risk and I can do whatever I want with it. Yep. hundred percent. Now talk to me about the physical space. So it, I've done some uh, concept gyms where very similar, we're going to have CrossFit and then we're going to have these other things that are, and they're generally going to tailor to two different kind of demographics. And mm-hmm. one of the things I've done in a, in a facility layout is talk about things like think of common areas where do you want CrossFit or Johnny shirtless with his knee sleeves on dealing with Sally who's walking in for the first time coming in for body lab? Like sure. how, talk to me about your facility and how you thought about things like that, things you would do over differently, all that. Yeah. Um, so we definitely have the kind of like Disney world model where you have to come in and out of the gift shop. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody does that, whether you're a CrossFitter or uh, a Mecca athlete. Um, the CrossFit has its own 10,000 square foot facility, but to get to uh, one of the classes, which is going to be our boot camp and our rowing and MFlex, you kind of have to go through the CrossFit gym. So yeah. it, it's not an issue of uh, what can we do to make that not so uncomfortable for people. It is what it is. Yeah. And like I said, we've gotten so many people because of that little trick through the CrossFit gym have said, I want to, I want to do that, yeah. you know? Um, so they're two separate societies, but they kind of coexist. Yeah. There's some incestualness, like yeah. at some mm-hmm. point in the membership, it might morph over type scenario. When you guys are looking at, um, I love that. I love when you, when you said you after Disney world with the gift <laughs> shop. Um, 
one thing that's always been really unique to me is gyms were able to pull this off, right? Have a CrossFit element, which has a brand, obviously, and then something like Mecca. And not only with Mecca, Mecca now has several different little mini brands that and of themselves. Like you yeah. might have some people who do your row fit and that is their thing. That's it. Yeah. They love Richard, their row fit. I mean, they have their yeah. own t-shirts. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and they don't want to do anything else. And I'm, I'm, I'm okay with yeah. that. The number one seller, we just had a, uh, we had people stop in from out of town, you know, to urban movement. And they're like, why do you guys sell, why do you guys have so many shirts with the different class names on them? I'm mm-hmm. like, because the classes, when they take on their own identity, that, my friend, you're, it's fucking dangerous. Yeah. Now, now yeah. this is a good thing to have. People are like, no, no, I'm a lift and move guy. But every yeah. now and then, I like to jump into a just move class. Like, the, yeah. these are things that, these are kind of runaway mini little brands amongst your, Absolutely. you know, and, your and many communities, many yes. communities. And, and actually having uh, that CrossFit uh, community in, because a lot of the CrossFitters buy the add-on pack, and they're, Correct. They, they can take unlimited uh, Mecca classes. And in the beginning, that was such a great way for the classes to feel like they were full. And Quite, quite honestly, in the beginning, I gave Mecca classes away uh, to CrossFitters because I wanted, sure. not only did I want to make sure the classes felt full, but I wanted that same uh, fist bump type yep. of, uh, of atmosphere. And that has really carried on. And those classes have that in it where I, I go to some other boutique fitness uh, organizations and, and businesses around the country. And I don't, I don't feel that same way. I feel like in a CrossFit class yeah. and I, and, and, I don't want to say it's like that all the time within Mecca, but it definitely has uh, pulled some of that in. Yeah. And price point, uh, you know, when we look at pricing models, obviously, you know, I try to explain to some people that may be like, man, so-and-so like, yeah. And someone might look at Mecca and say, Hey, their average membership is under 180 bucks a month. How does everyone make that work these days? I'm like, he doesn't have 5,000 square feet where he's looking at getting 200 people. He has 20,000 square feet where he's probably looking at a membership of 600, 700, yeah. 800. Yeah. So, so we're, yeah, we're at about a thousand now. Uh, and about 700 of those are monthly memberships. Sure. But the beauty of, of adding on another branded business that is a low barrier to entry is that you become a retail business. And when I say retail, I don't mean t-shirts. I don't mean koozies or, or, uh, you know, milkshakes. It's the fact that at two in the morning I could get an email and it says, Sally, I'm going to call her Sally if that's okay. That's perfectly okay. She won't mind. (laughs) Yeah. Sally just bought a 30 pack for $480. So I'm starting the day at $480 at 6 a.m. And I don't know who Sally is. And I probably never will. Um, So there's this, you know, as gym owners, we're always looking at that reoccurring revenue number. How many memberships do I have every single day? Am I up? Am I down? Am I up six? Am I up seven? Um, With Mecca, I look at total sales for the day, you know, and that does not include my reoccurring memberships. It's who bought a 30 pack, who bought, um, who bought a, a, a acai bowl, who yeah. bought a pair of Lululemon pants, yep. um, you know, who, who went on our nutrition program. Yeah. Um, and for so those of you guys any of the guys listening that are not aware, so when you, a thousand memberships and 700 of those are recurring EFT, that means there are 300 individuals who are paying probably higher per class rates because that's how PACs work. PACs are generally going to get you a better per class rate for the, for the business uh, yes. than the EFT model is going to get you. So that's why everyone, that's why SoulCycle is an anomaly because they don't have EFT. 
they got their paid in full model only, right? And yeah. they fucking, they pulled their IPO again and I have no idea what's going on with that company. But like bottom line is, the paid in full model is scary to a lot of gyms because subscription is a beautiful world to live in people. Mm -hmm. You know, the first and the 15th or however you have your draft set and money just comes pouring in on a, on a calculated projectable level is amazing. But the important thing here, people ask me, what's your favorite membership to sell? I'm like a drop in. That's my favorite. I get the most amount of money per revenue per class on a drop in. Second favorite is a punch card. I make the second and most. Yeah. <laughs> And, and then it just boils down and then it, that's, you know, even going away. Well, from I, mean, I think it's a great to have a mix of both, right? Yes, correct. Yeah, I think it's great to have a mix of both uh, because um, I really look at my, my bread and butter as those recurring memberships. Yes, uh, that, that what That's what soothes my soul, knowing that next month I'm probably going to have that again. Yeah. Uh, but it's the additional retail money that comes in randomly rando uh that really grows the business you know yeah. it, it allows me to take chances and compensate uh my staff the way that we do now one thing i'm going to say who are you using for member management software that is tied into your website um so very interesting that you asked that today because uh, we were using two different systems we were using tribe for our crossfit gym and then we were using something called zing fit for our mecca side Okay. And the reason why we're using ZingFit is because at the time when we were using the, um, uh, and we still are using the virtual reality spin cycle, there yep. were only a few options that would um, uh, talk nice with that system. Uh, so as we're building out a uh, business plan for a second location, um, I needed to find something that could handle a second location and then do all those things that we need them to do uh, on, uh, you know, almost like a Zapier type thing where yes, they yeah. talk to each other. Uh, and I also realized I, there was a, a ton of marketing things uh, to my chagrin that I just wasn't, I weren't, I didn't have to do because we, I felt like we were successful enough. Uh, but that I realized now having two locations that I need more automation. So uh, as of next week, we're moving to uh, a full uh, solution with MindBody. Very cool. Yeah, that's what I've that's what I've been using since 2010. And I actually I do I'm actually going up to Boston to to see the tribe guys here in a little bit. Um, I do I do work with them, but um, I've used MindBody since day one. There's more MindBody studios than there are Starbucks and McDonald's yeah. in this country. Almost, it's yeah. it's pretty damn close. Um, very cool. Very cool. Uh, are you guys going to be messing around with the Fitmetrics product by MindBody that they have for the heart rate monitor? Uh -huh. I'm not simply because we're using the, it's called Spivy, which is our yeah. virtual reality and they, their product uh, probably works great for some studios. But uh, if we were to take away that virtual reality part, people would be like, where's my avatar? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we're, um, we're not using that now. Cool. Do you guys utilize any heart rate? Have you guys gone that orange theory model of using tech and heart rate? Uh, no, uh, simply because per, on a personal level, I've gone to Orange Theory and because I don't want to call my, you know, I'd like to think of myself as a humble person, but I know I'm, I'm an athlete, you know, uh, and my color doesn't change that often at, yeah. at the Orange Theories. I don't yeah. think it really, I think it's kind of like, a, and again, no disrespect to Orange Theory, I love them. Uh, but I think it's kind of like a shiny object. Yeah, it's a, it's a gimmick. My wife, our membership that we have, we're down the street. We have a membership at. She never wears her heart rate monitor. She doesn't give a fuck. She yeah. gives. She just goes. She just goes for the workout because it's convenient yeah. and quick, and she knows. I like to see how many calories they burned, and sure, everybody yeah. has an uh, 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 Apple Watch. Yeah, 
hundred percent. So, and then they take a picture of their Apple watch, you know, results, and then they put it on their Insta story and we re, you know, rehash their story and it becomes a marketing piece. Um, but you know, I, I, people love that at orange theory. Yeah. I just don't find that it's, it doesn't, doesn't really do much. Sure. But you're but so essentially and the question I think I, I downplayed it too much was it, the pricing model there you uh, is CrossFit pretty much like when you buy your class credits at Mecca that is mm-hmm. you know, assuming that is going to any of these classes so all the classes are even across the board yep. price yeah. wise which I think is so important too many times a gym owner will have CrossFit at 180 and boot camp at 135 and I was like you do realize now these are two different socioeconomic groups of human beings in your building which is not good for business yeah now they're about the same price yeah yeah very cool we keep them different prices so when those numbers come through we know that 149 is a Mecca membership and 155 is a CrossFit membership six bucks really doesn't make a difference but you know it's it's easy on accounting to look at those numbers and say, Oh, that has to be a Mecca membership. I don't know if that makes sense. Awesome. When you would, so 2013, you get in the crossroad, what year was like the expansion and the birth of Mecca? That was 2016. Okay. So probably as a CrossFit gym, my guess was you're probably like most, you didn't do a lot of marketing in 2013 for your CrossFit gym, right? Word of mouth, the SEO of CrossFit worked for you. I mean, no, no, Facebook posts, not even Facebook posts. Yeah. Dark. Yeah. That's it. Once you went Mecca and now you have to have a little bit more of what I call the ABC financial, which is the huge finance company for uh, global gyms that I work with. Now that you have that kind of mentality of a thousand members in a building and I have these classes and this is now a this is now a quantity, not over quality, but it has to be quantity type membership. What, what does your marketing arm for Mecca look like? What did it look like then? And what does it look like now? Well, a a good, really good question uh, for right now, what's going on, knowing that I'm opening another facility. I really felt like that was a hole in in my game is uh, the marketing end Uh, going on to Facebook. I'm sure a lot of uh, box owners and small business people uh, go onto the Facebook uh, blueprint or the back end tool if you're going to buy ads. And it's like, what is this? How do I know if it worked? Um, so I just said, fuck it, I'm not doing it anymore. You know? um, but I did some research on a couple different marketing companies, and I'm going to give a shout out to my, my buddy Mike Arkey. Uh, Ar- RC, uh, RC at Loud Rumor, yeah. yep. Loud Rumor. And uh, so I went out to their conference in um, GSDCon? Yes. It's yeah, no shit. Did you, did you see Brittany, Brittany Welk spoke there? Uh, yeah. I checked that. She's been, a, she's been a huge fan of my content. We've spoken before. She got to speak. And hell, Billy Jean was there. Bill, you know, all, uh, the, all the big hitters. And Mike does yeah. an incredible, incredible job of uh, wowing people. And it's. Yeah shows you. I mean, he did this whole uh, greatest showman uh, entry. Yeah. And you're like, what the hell is going on here? And it just proves that you need to go big. You need to believe in yourself. And even if you sound ridiculous sometimes, um, your imagination and what your vision is, is never small. You know, you have to show people what you're doing. So um, I started working with Loud Rumor simply because I want to learn how to do this, you know. Um, we're going into opening a second location and it's a lot different than what we did in this first location because really I feel like we aren't even where I want to be on the first location, but it's taken me six years to get here. When we open a second location, we have a brand. 
People know what we are. I can't start in one room and move from room to room. I have to open the whole thing, right? Um, so I have to amp up that marketing game, do the pre-sale, do the um, Facebook marketing, Instagram marketing, sales funnels. And I really didn't know how to do any of that. Um, so working with Mike and his team, this guy specifically, Ricky, um, they, they waved their wand and about three weeks ago I started with them. And uh, I think in, let's see, about 10 days I had uh, 120 leads of people saying they wanted to come in and I actually had to hire someone to take care of these leads because yeah. someone says, Hey, I want my free week at Mecca. And I, in the past, when I did any, anything like that, I would just say, here's your code. And they would go online, use their code, come to class. And I'd never follow up with them. I would just hope that sure. they hope that they would join, you know, I would never say, how was it? Or can I put you in this class or tell me about your goals? So through this program, it's a sales funnel. It comes through on your Google Sheets. Uh, I'm able to text these people using another technology called ZipWhip uh, and saying, hey, uh, do you prefer early morning, midday, or evening classes? Great. Okay, you're an early riser. Do you want strength? Do you want cardio? Or do you want a mix of both? I want a mix of both. Great. Well, why don't you do this? Why don't you come in Monday for our 5.45 a.m. boot camp? On Tuesday, we're going to have you do boot camp. And then on Wednesday, you're going to be a little sore. So we're going to put you in MFlex. Yeah. So having that kind of uh, from the get-go feeling sure. from the customer that, oh, these people really are going to tell me what to do. That's what I've been looking for. You know, it's people amazing. just want to be told what to do. And for those of you guys, again, not familiar with like Loud Rumor, Loud Rumor is, uh, they're out of Scottsdale, Arizona, I believe. Um, somewhere in Arizona, I think. And, yeah. uh, and in the marketing kind of in the world of like the gym launch and her Alex Ramosi spoke at GSD this past year, I think too. Um, but, uh, you know, in the world of the gym launch six week challenge, they do more of a, a one week free type, you know, they do, you know, trial class, some more of the more generic vanilla offers have been working. Things that you cannot do in CrossFit. Correct. You yeah. Yeah. You for a free week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can, you're going to fuck the quality of the class of, or you need to have that secondary program, that lower barrier to entry, your sweat class, your boot camp mm -hmm. to funnel them in now. But previous, this is only three weeks ago. I mean, you know, Mecca's you, you guys have been sitting at a thousand memberships. Like this isn't yeah. new, That's right? With CrossFit. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, what would you say has been the biggest marketing arm you've used? I mean, cause I'm not gonna lie. Like it's, it was almost, it's even as you were telling me, I'm like, damn, he waited a long time in the game. Yeah, to get, I totally did. Uh, to hire a marketing team and he's yeah. doing mm -hmm. great. What, mm -hmm. what was, where, where did the marketing, if it wasn't formalized, yeah. where did that, are you guys really, were like, we're literally the only one in town besides Gold's Gym that looks like sure. this? So three years ago when I went up to New York to see what was going on, you have to realize in Pittsburgh, nobody was paying per class. Everyone was going to, LA fitness for 40 yeah. bucks. So Pittsburgh's a little bit behind the, you know, the ball there. Yeah. On boutique fitness. It is. Yeah. So, you know, I don't, I think we were probably the first, one of the first people to say like, you're going to pay $20 a class, but because we had so many different offerings is, uh, you know, we were able to, um, kind of be kind of that unicorn. You know, we already had, you know, we already had a great location. We already had a great brand with CrossFit Mount Lebanon. People knew that, you know, we knew what we were doing. 
some people didn't know we were attached to CrossFit Mount Lebanon. So there's all these different angles that we were able to take. Uh, and then with all those uh, instructors that we were hiring, they were having their friends come. You know, yeah. uh, a cycle instructor says, I'm no longer at blah, blah, blah studio. I'm now at Mecca. Oh, I've heard of Mecca. Um, so using the, uh, the customer base that we already had, at, at CrossFit, we were already in business for three years. We, we reached out to all those email addresses of people that had quit. Um, we live in a great community right now. It's a, it's a walking community, no school buses. So um, very compact town. There's 33,000 people in the town alone, but then you go to the next town, it's house, house, house. So it's not like one of these uh, suburbs where you know, have to drive a half an hour to get to Walmart. Here, yeah a lot of people in one space and we just happened to be in a location that was on a busy street in the middle of a lot of people so word of mouth really in the beginning yeah yeah and word of mouth for a lot of people again when we think about like two-thirds of the members that will ever come in whether you have a company like loud rumor whether you're doing a gym launch whether you're not doing anything Mm-hmm. Two thirds of anything is going to come from word of mouth. Yeah. And, and, you know, I tell people to be hyper locally, like to be hyperly locally relevant. Like if we went into a grocery store, if I, you, me walked into your local grocery store, what are the odds we are going to see someone in some kind of Mecca apparel uh, every day? Okay. See, that is, that's why I tell people like, they're like, I want my marketing to bring people. I'm like, no, what you want is you want to go into your grocery store and see your shirt. Yeah, Absolutely. It's really, really also very interesting when you're in the grocery store and you overhear people talking about your location. And, and it's, you know, yeah. It's, you know, it's, you want to say like, hey, I own that place. Do you want a free pass? But like, yeah, yeah. you know, you, you kind of want to, and I you know. get it at first, but you really want to sit back and utilize that opportunity to listen to what someone's saying about your business when they don't know that the business owner is standing behind them in line, you know? Yeah. Hundred percent. It's um, and for a lot of you guys listening, uh, definitely go ahead. If I remember, I'm going to put the link to, and I've never worked with Mark or Mike. I would love to get him on the podcast. He is a he's a solid dude. He's got a he's got a great podcast himself. Um, yeah, it's amazing. He used to do all the podcasts for Mind Body too. Yeah, guys, real quick, just I want you to everyone listening to this because I know I'm going to get 16 fucking DMs from you guys. Like, whoa, 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 who is it? He was talking about. There is a difference in hiring a company like Loud Rumor, and I'm sure they work with small studios as well, but just, again, I want you guys to understand what we're dealing with here. We're dealing with 20,000 square feet. We're talking with like seven, nine different boutique studios under one roof. It is a slightly different scenario than adding another 10 people a month to your CrossFit gym with 3,300 square feet. It's slightly different. Stu, the other, Stu, the other really big issue uh, that people have is like we have 50 employees and eight yeah. of them are full time. So you have to, it's not something that happens overnight. You have no. to have the staff and the vision and the core values that you, you yeah. figure out in EOS uh, and mission statement and knowing where you're going to be in three years and 10 years and seven years and next year. Um, those are things that you have to formulate. Uh, before you just say you're going to, I want to do that too. Do you, ha- do you utilize a EOS implementer? Yeah. So we, uh, no, no, uh, a paid Im- implementer. No. Yeah, yeah. So we had someone come in and talk to us about that. And then he said how much it was going to be. And at the time it just wasn't, uh, sure. It wasn't something I think that was, it was going to be worth it. When, when I had a, a group of really intelligent people that uh, worked on our, my management team. So we sat around and said, 
EOS gives you all the tools. We, we made uh, April Jackson, who's our general manager, our implementer. She read the book. She downloaded the materials. Uh, Dylan She's David. got her VTO and she runs with it. Yeah. And we, have the, we still have those meetings off-site uh, every six to eight weeks. And we pick up where we left off. We, you know, look at those uh, things that we've already established. Yeah, running level 10 meetings. Yeah, yeah, level 10 meeting. Um, uh, Natalie's running all of our level 10 meetings now. There we we go. rate each other at the end of the meeting. We say, yeah. what do you give it? I give it a seven. I give it a six. And we were two minutes late. You know, so we're strict about it. And because we know that's really what keeps us on our rails. You know? 100%. I can sit there sometimes. I, don't, I mean, yeah. I'm not the... I'm not the, uh, the the big poop on the meeting. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm just, just like everybody else. Yeah. No, I love it. I love it. Um, one last thing I want to, I want to kind of finish off with this in, in your journey and what you have is, is uh, you, you know, such a, a large, I can't, I really do now. I'm really making a mental note that I want to come take a visit. I'd love to, to bring the vlog up and, and, and get a, and check out what you've created here and hear more about the second location. But with what you've done and kind of this journey, Mm-hmm. A lot of people are listening to this and are like, see, he had an idea. He's like, do you believe it's because you saw a need in the market? Do you believe it's because you have some like, you have not a Nostradamus, but you're like, I know, I knew that I needed to do something different. Or was it just, a lot of people are looking at me like this rebranding things too. I think I want to do it. I'm like, do you really? Or did you, are you looking around and seeing a lot of other guys doing it and it's creating some self-imposed kind of pressure on you that maybe you need to do it? When you went from a CrossFit gym to this, when you boil it down, why did the change happen? Um, because I didn't see myself staying interested in that small, I don't call it a small business for much longer. You know, there was only so much you could do with a CrossFit gym. It's CrossFit. I love it. I do it every day still. I love my friends that do CrossFit. I, I do Mecca classes two or three times a week. I love them too. But uh, what it boils down to is I get easily bored. And, um, you know, we're still evolving as a CrossFit gym. My head coach is amazing. He's coming up with different ideas every day because he's passionate. He's way more passionate about it than I am. Yeah. Um, but on the flip side, he also sees that, you know, just like a, a, I don't want to speak for him, but uh, I think he sees that, you know, if he were to say, like, I'm going to open up my own CrossFit gym, it wouldn't be as nearly as successful because he sees what it takes to build a real business. And it's management meetings and financial statements and marketing. And he loves CrossFit. Yeah. You know, uh, I love business and uh, I, I like CrossFit a lot. Um, but, you know. Long story short is, I think I would have just been bored and I started and I can't stop. So now we're on a second location and that's a whole nother uh, ball of wax, yeah. which I'm sure you know. I'm sure yeah. you're looking yeah. into it and uh, it's it's not about um, is the business uh, strong or, or, you know, people say, oh, it's going to be great. It's not about that. It's about managing uh, the process and managing flows of work. And if I if we can do that in a successful way, locations two, three, four, five, and six, that will be simple. You know, it's that going from one to two. And I know we're two separate businesses right now, CrossFit Mount Lebanon and uh, Mecca, but we're really one building, one location. Running two- You guys have CrossFit in the second one as well, where you run it just yeah. like this current oh, yeah. model? 
we're going to do it. Yeah. I mean, the, the CrossFit part of it, uh, the building part of it, because the building itself that we're moving into is only 10,000 square feet. So it's half the space, but it's double the rent. Yeah. <laughs> so the CrossFit space itself will hold. It's amazing what the market's done in the past six years from the yeah. last time you signed a lease like that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, in, it's more in the city. You know, you can yeah. walk to downtown Pittsburgh from the location. Um, so it warrants that, you know, where we are now is a, is a sleepy suburban town, um, bad parking, all those things. Um, but, uh, the, the CrossFit portion of Mecca, the second location in the strip district, uh, will be a smaller space. It probably will fit 25 to 30 people in a class max where the CrossFit gym we have now is one of those CrossFit gyms. I mean, my members don't really realize it because so most of them, this is the only CrossFit they've been in, but it's one of those gyms where you walk in, you go, oh my God, this is massive, you know, kind of like yeah. Steve's place mentality. Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that'll be a switch for us from going from, you know, we can fit on a Saturday, we're doing 60 to 70 people in a class at CrossFit because that's the time people want to come in and they want to do team wads and partner wads. And you don't have to worry about like how many barbells you have because you only need one barbell per team. Uh, but in the new location, we'll have to be more conscious of, uh, that smaller CrossFit space. But I really feel, like I said before, um, we're kind of a unicorn in the fact that we run a successful CrossFit gym and a boutique fitness uh, company all in one. And I didn't want to lose that. I, you know, yeah. I, um, and, and quite honestly, uh, one of the other reasons why we're opening a second location uh, is I want to I create more opportunity for these six or seven people that have, are with me building this business. And if I were to say, this is it, this is all we're going to do here. Um, I'll, I'll lose them, you know, yeah. I'll lose them to something else. And I don't want to, I don't want to recreate the wheel, uh, with 100%. new people. I want them to know we're on this journey together, you know, and we're going to build this business together and we're going to keep going. Yeah. And that, that's the thing too. You know, people ask me like, why are you open up a second urban movement? And, and mine's obviously a real estate business play for my real estate company, but also at the same time. Because my current GM, who I've had for damn near going on nine years, she's going to get bored being over one location for a while. She's going to want to have two in a district, right? And then my assistant GM is going to want to move up. And like, you're, if you want to keep people around, you have to create a certain level of fulfillment that a singular location we tap out. And that doesn't mean that they leave and there's not someone to replace them. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of growth that is HR-based growth. For you yeah. to continue to challenge people, obviously you as a business owner want to see your vision exceed and so on and so forth. But will you stay corporate owned or will you franchise? Um, you know, I think this would be really hard to franchise when you think about what you're selling in a franchise is you're selling a process. Correct. And, and having eight boutique fitness studios and a CrossFit gym, yeah, it's going to be really hard to sell to, you know, uh, Tina and Tom that yeah. they're like, we want to run a fitness company. Well, um, first you need to open a CrossFit gym and then eight weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And here's one manual and I'll call yeah. me. If yeah. So I don't really think this is something that is a franchise model. Um, it, I, I, I want to own a hundred. Franchise models are simple, pure yeah. and simple. They're simple. And this is anything but. It's not simple. <laughs> but, you know, the other thing, just to re-up what you were saying is like, since we have announced the second location after we got the lease signed and all those details um, the level of people wanting to work for us has gone up tremendously i've had yeah. just in the last three weeks people quit their corporate job and say i, I want to be here all day with you guys yeah. so there you know as you grow as a company and grow as uh, a brand um you get more respect and you get more um 
people who think you're something maybe bigger than you actually are, which is sure. kind of, in my 100%. mind, you know, I'm still like, you know, running, you know, free classes on a Saturday in my mind, and on, on, you know, for CrossFit, and, you know, <laughs> so it's uh, one thing moves the other, you know. I love it, man. I love it. Well, thank you. Listen, thank you so much for taking the time today. I know you're busy and, um, yeah, brother, let's stay in touch. And definitely if I get yeah. up to Pittsburgh for a game, I'll, uh, I'll tag you, I'll tag up with you. And we'll uh, crush you brownies. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. All thank right. you.